Hello, welcome to the Dear Nikki podcast, where I'm going to be giving you personalized user research advice based on your questions or struggles. So let's dive into today's episode. Hey, welcome to today's episode. Really excited for the question. I'm getting a vibe. There's a trend going on right now about collaborative-based questions. So we can see the importance of collaboration as user researchers. This question that we have today has to do with working across different departments, so multidisciplinary teams, but under the angle of a job interview question. So let's dive in. Hey, Nikki. I really love your podcast. Uh, I listened to the first two episodes and I'm really excited for the next one. Um, I have a final round interview coming up tomorrow. And while I know you can't answer this right away, um, a lot of the uh, practice example questions they gave me um, are on how you um, work with multidisciplinary teams. So some questions, I'll read them now. Tell us about your experience working in multidisciplinary teams as a UX researcher. Can you share an example of how you've worked with other disciplines in the past? Another is, how do you engage others in your research process? So I was wondering if you could speak a little on um, how to best answer that uh, in our interview. Thank you so much. I am so super excited to answer this question. I love talking about job interviews. They're oftentimes really stressful situations for people. And so I love being able to share any kind of clarity or help out people in any way when it comes to such an overwhelming experience. First off, congratulations on getting to the final round. That's so exciting, especially now that there are about 50 rounds that you have to get through these days in terms of job interviews and that process. And second, I hope that the interview went super well. Now, I wish I could have answered the second that you asked the question. (laughs) And hopefully in retrospect, this is helpful for you as well as other people who are encountering the same types of questions during their job interviews. So I am going to split these questions up into two different buckets. The first bucket is going to be the questions about telling about experiences working in multidisciplinary teams as a user researcher and sharing examples of how you've worked cross-departmentally or cross-functionally as a user researcher in the past. And then the second bucket is how, how do you engage others in your research process? For me, these two are slightly different questions and require slightly different answers, which is why I am separating them out for the purpose of this particular answer and podcast episode. So let's dive into that first area. First off, it's a really great sign most of the time when companies are asking you about how you've collaborated in the past with other departments outside of product and tech. The reason that I say this is hopefully companies are asking you that because they need or want somebody who can work cross-functionally, who can work with other departments because either they're, they're wanting other departments to be involved in user research or They're expecting you to be able to do that because people in the company currently need user research outside of product and tech. Either way, really, really exciting because being able to work cross-departmentally gives you very unique and amazing experiences 
outside of just product and tech. Now, I'm not saying that working in product and tech alone is bad. It's wonderful. It's great. But working with other departments, it's a little bit, you get a little bit more creative. You have to try different methodologies, try different approaches. And it's just a really great way to get additional experience that you might not necessarily get as much within the product and tech area. But going back to the question, so tell us about your experience working in multidisciplinary teams as a user researcher and share an example of how you've worked with other teams in the past. So when it comes to any interview question, before we kind of dive into the details of how this has to do with user research, before, before doing that, I just want to share a method that I use whenever I am asked pretty much any interview question within, within the context of a job interview. It is called the STAR method. And the STAR method is really great for answering in a very concise, effective, and concrete way. So if you're the kind of person that rambles, has a hard time getting to a point, feels like they're giving vague answers, feels like the interviewer isn't really engaged or relating to your answers, and you just feel kind of off, like you're, you're wishing that you could give a little bit more or you're, you're sitting there saying, oh, they're expecting something else from me, the STAR method is a really great framework to use. And even if you're not like that, it's a it's a fantastic framework because it just puts you in a place where you're giving really concrete answers in a concise way to your interviewers. And to be completely honest, as somebody who's interviewed hundreds of people, we love that. Hiring managers love really concrete, concise answers where we can say, okay, yes, because when we're filling out that scorecard, after or when we're assessing how the interview went, we can give really, really actionable and concrete examples to our colleagues of why you would be a good fit. So little <laughs> singing about how great the STAR method is. It's also a very common uh, framework and approach used in companies like Facebook, Google, Amazon. So you might have heard of it in the past. I will link to an article in the show notes when it comes to actually using the STAR method. I will also be writing a, an article on the STAR method as it relates to user research related job interviews. So what does the STAR method stand for? Before we dive into actual examples, what does this stand for? S stands for situation. So this is the broader context of the answer that you're going to give to the interviewer. So they've asked you a question and you're setting up the context. Task is what your responsibility was. What were you tasked with? What were you supposed to do? Action is the exact steps that you took. And this is where the detail comes in, the exact steps that you took to complete the task or to address the task. And the R stands for result, which is the outcomes, result, consequence, impact, whatever you want to call it, that your action ended in, right? So we will go all the way from the more broad situational context to this is exactly what happened in the end. And that is really important. Those four steps are really important in conveying a very concrete example of an answer to a question. And what I see often happens is people will give these vague answers that are really hard for me to interpret and understand if they were impactful at an organization. So if you're really looking to show your impact and how, how you could potentially impact the company that you're working for using these steps, or sorry, that you're interviewing for, using these steps is really important. So 
what I will say as a caveat, you don't need to have like one sentence per per step. Sometimes the task and the action get a bit tangled together, right? So it's not like it has to be boom, 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 situation, task, action, result. It's really great to write these out beforehand. That's something that I did when I was practicing this method and when I was getting more comfortable with job interviews is actually writing these steps out and then talking about them, talking out loud and making it feel a little bit more natural rather than this is the situation. This is the, this was my task. This is the action that I took and this is the result. You can make it feel a little bit more natural and conversational, but I do recommend for the questions that you want to practice more of, definitely going through and writing each of these out and then practicing them out loud. So this is awesome. I'm really, I'm just like super excited about this. So we've covered the STAR method. So that is how I approach these these different job interview questions. It doesn't only have to be about collaboration, it's just in general. So going back to the collaborative piece, so how do we work across different departments as a user researcher? The way that I like to answer this question is thinking about the ways I have helped other teams through user research. So let's just go through a list of teams that I have worked with when it comes outside outside of product and tech when it comes to that cross-functional collaborative nature. So I have worked with customer support, account management, sales, marketing, data science, business intelligence, the legal team even. I've worked with all of these different departments. So what I would do if I were in your situation and, and somebody was prompting me with this question and, and fortunately enough gave it to you beforehand so that you could think about it in practice is I would pull some examples based on how impactful each of those examples were. So one thing that I would say is I would dive deep into one or two examples. So I've worked primarily with I, I, I've worked primarily with customer support and marketing. Those are those are the two departments that I feel most comfortable with, generally speaking. So I would go in and explain really concretely the the two ways using the star method I have engaged with these teams in the past. So that's that's going into the share an example of how you've worked with other teams in the past. So. As an example, I, I'll, I'll do my best to set the situation task action result as if somebody would have asked me this question. So I was working with a customer support team and they were at odds with the product team in the sense that they had a lot of pain points and tickets coming in from users about basic usability issues that were really bothering our customers. So a lot of pain points coming in, uh, calls, tickets, emails, chats, everything (laughs) that came in. And the product team was not really listening to them, (laughs) unfortunately. So there was a lot of contention between the product team and the customer support team in this case. And what I wanted to do. So my my task and my responsibility was going in and trying to actually mend the relationship between the product team and the customer support team by understanding both sides. So what the product team's priorities were, what the customer support team's priorities were, and then coming up with a plan of how to prioritize both the pain points that the product team saw and the pain points that the customer care team saw. 
So how did I go about doing this? The first thing that I did is I, I held a workshop. I held two separate workshops. First off, I talked to the product team and I understood the top pain points that were coming in from them. So what they believe the top pain points were. And then I held a workshop with the customer support team to understand what the top pain points were coming in from, from their side via the tickets, the calls, the emails, the chats. And then I sat down and I looked at the list and I tried to find some of the actual overlap between uh, these, these two workshops. So what was both the product team and the customer support team seeing in terms of pain points? When I found an overlap, I put that at the top of the list because what I wanted to do was mend that relationship. That was the first step of all of this was mending that relationship. So once I got a little bit of overlap between those pain points, I brought them in together, the the customer support team and the product team into a workshop together, which was entirely terrifying. And I, I sat, sat them down and I showed them the shared pain points. And what we did during that session is we prioritized those shared pain points. So they talked through which ones they thought were more important, important, and kind of, there was a there was a list of ten, and we ordered them, kind of force ranked them in a way, but through explaining which ones were most important to cover first. And then what I said is I brought up some of the customer care points that were higher on their list that weren't shared with the product team and vice versa, and they talked about them. And so what happened is they started actually communicating with each other and understanding that the customer care team was focused on different kinds of experiences than the product team was. The product team was very much focused on actually like the back end of the product. It was a B2B platform. And the customer care team was really looking at that customer experience. So while the product team was steeped in that back end, making sure that it made sense for the developers, making sure that the code was correctly done, they didn't really care as much about the fact that <laughs> the the users had to download images and they could only and usually they had to download hundreds of images at a time and they could only do it one at a time right so when i got them to talking they actually started to understand each other more and then what i put into place was a bi-weekly meeting where the customer care team came and presented their top pain points and the product team presented their top pain points and together we prioritized them so that was a really great way that I brought two teams together. And then I also utilized all of the information from the customer care team and from the product team to either create pro to create upcoming studies and projects when it came to user research to understand how severe those particular problems were or to see them in real life and create usability tests from them. And then as well, I used that information and that data, especially from the customer care side, because I could quantify it better to help me understand in terms of my qualitative research, how severe uh, it could be um, from, from the quantitative side. So if I was hearing that people were having problems with a particular feature, I could go to customer care and ask them, hey, how many complaints have you got about this particular feature? So long-winded, I know, because I said that this was meant to be concise. <laughs> But that's how I would start to explain how I've worked with other teams in the past. So that, and I tried to go through the situation, the task that I was responsible for and the action, and then the result of that. I hope that that made sense. Another way, um, another kind of example that I have for tell us about your experience working multidisciplinary 
in within those teams is I would take an example as well. So that was one, I mean, it did bring the product and the customer care team together, but it was really focused on one department outside of product. So another way that I have worked with teams in the past is by creating a service blueprint. I'm not going to go into all the exact details of how I would answer that question, but what I would recommend doing is thinking about a time in your in your past career where you have worked with multiple teams towards one deliverable. So for instance, I pulled in sales, account management, product, solutions, architect slash implementation, customer support, and marketing. And I think legal. <laughs> I can't remember. But anyways, I pulled in pretty much every single um, every single department and we created a service blueprint of from when somebody's researching our product all the way from some when somebody renews our platform. So that's I would go into a little bit more depth about what what that actually looked like in terms of like the star method. But that's another way that I would share my experience working across multiple teams. So what I would do is I would pick one team to go in depth in. So what's one department that you worked in depth with and what's that example? And then the next example is if you have one, if you've worked across multiple multiple departments for a greater good, so towards a deliverable. One more way that you could answer this is, uh, for for instance, for me, I work a lot with marketing. So this is looking at content testing. I'm not a UX writer. I am not an expert in content testing. So I make that very clear, but I will talk about how I have conducted user research when it, in order to help the marketing department. So if they are struggling with a marketing page, we might sit down, talk about what, what's wrong, talk about some of the analytics that might be showing that people are either bouncing from the, from the page or not understanding something. And what we might do is do a highlighter test. So a closed test potentially. So that's another way of going more deeply into then like your user research skills. So those are three examples of how I might answer the those questions that they asked. Now, I hope that that was helpful so far. If you if you don't have experience working across multiple teams at once towards one deliverable, then it's fine to just mention, as I said, one other team, like how you worked with customer support, how you worked with account management, how you worked with marketing. So, But just make sure that you have two solid examples and you can use the STAR method to approach those examples so they're really, really concrete. So the second part that we have here, and looking at the time, I can't believe that took so long, <laughs> me rambling after saying that the star, star method was good for people who ramble. <laughs> so the second, the second area is how to engage others in your process. So really quickly, I approach this, I would approach this question in, by saying that I, I think about engaging people in my process in almost three phases. So the first phase I talked about in one of the previous episodes in terms of understanding who the stakeholder is. So who are you working with? What are their needs? What are their goals? What are their pain points? What are their previous experiences with research, both the good and the bad? How have they collaborated with researchers in the past and how might they ideally collaborate with me or with you? What rituals do they have on their team? How has user research been a part of them? How has that worked or not worked? And then finally asking your stakeholder how they best learn or digest research. 
So that's phase one of how I integrate people into my process because I cannot integrate anybody into a process by strong arming them and dragging them into it. So unless I understand their work and unless I understand what their needs are and how they view user research, so maybe I can help educate them in some different ways or clear up some misconceptions or some myths, do some myth busting on how user research doesn't have to take five years. Unless I know that person's needs, goals, and pain points and understand them separate from user research, I can't really integrate them or engage them in my process properly. And I would say one of the best questions that I started asking was what their learning style was and how they digested research. And I I talk about that in one of my other episodes. I believe it's episode three, is, is thinking about how people learn and digest research. So the next phase is looking into a little bit more of the specifics. So asking them questions like, are there any projects you think user research can benefit from? So just asking them, they don't need to come to you with the perfect project. They don't have to come to you with one request. You know, you can ask them, hey, what are some projects that you're thinking of? It's not like you always have to come come up with the perfect project either. You can, you can have that be a collaborative process and you should. And then I will also ask them, what are the most significant barriers to to conducting user research that you found in in your recent projects or maybe in upcoming projects? If we could manage to do any research, what would that be? And what could some ideal outcomes of user research be for you or your team? So these get a little bit more into the how this person interacts with user research rather than just the person in general and the team in general. So this helps me understand what ideas they might have, what questions they might have, what fears they have about conducting user research. It also helps me understand what research would be most important for them and what some ideal outcomes could be. So how could I help them? Because that's what we're there for as user researchers is to help support others. So through those two phases, I understand how people view user research, what their needs are from user research, what their goals might be, and how I can interact with them a little bit more. So the, that's the pr- almost pre-project or agna- agnostic of project Don't uh, before you even think about it. This, uh, this is something that I would recommend anybody who's starting at a company do within their first 90 days is just get to know your stakeholders in this way rather than jumping straight into projects. But when it comes to project-based work, and I think this is probably the answer that they're trying to get at, but I always like giving that other answer because if we don't understand humans, how can we engage and interact with them? But when it comes to project-based work, I like to involve stakeholders right from the beginning. So how do I do this? The first part is being a part of their processes, and that's why I ask those questions about the rituals that they have, the processes that they have. So if they have a planning process, if they have a roadmap, I sit down and I understand it because ideally research is ahead of the project product roadmap, right? So we have to be ahead of what's coming up so that we can research it before it goes into development, essentially. So one way that I like to engage my stakeholders is by looking at their product roadmap and going over that with them and then creating a research roadmap that reflects how I could best help them in those upcoming projects. So that's the first way that I really like to engage them in the process and kind of build trust with them and say, hey, I'm here to help you. This is how I can fit into your timelines. This is how I can fit into your kind of rituals. And then I also 
really like to make sure that I prioritize in a in a objective way and in a very transparent way. So if I have a lot of research projects coming at me, I will share exactly how I prioritize these with the stakeholders so nobody feels like their project is just getting thrown out the window. So after you do that planning, when you have that research roadmap, when projects are kind of coming in, I start engaging people right from the start. So I have an intake document that people fill out. And that to me is a collaborative way of understanding what they need in depth so that I can come back and really give them a, a great recommendation of how I could help through user research. Or if I don't feel like user research is a great fit, it's a way for me to understand what else could help them. So that's one way that I really like to engage people as well. So they are part of that first initial brainstorming process. So they come in and they think about what questions they have. And then together, depending on how research mature that stakeholder is, together we might then form what that actual research plan is. Or if the stakeholder is more research mature, they could maybe form a plan on their own that I would look over or I would form it on my own and send it to them. But to be inclusive and engaging, you can do that research plan together to make sure that all of the questions make sense, your, the, what they're looking for, so their outcome will be something that you're able to achieve at the end of the project. That's a really great way to engage stakeholders in your process. The other one is having an open door policy to interviews. Everybody and anybody can come to the interview. They can even ask questions at the end. To me though, not directly to the user. They can ask me, they send me a Slack message uh, at the, in the last 10 minutes of the interview and I will save time for their direct questions. So it's a little bit more interactive for them rather than them just sitting and listening and not getting to ask any of their questions at all. So I will I will have that open door policy with the the last 10 minutes being open questions if they have any. And that's been really successful in, in engaging them through the process because then they can see what's actually happening and be be a part of of that person's journey and story which opens their eyes to a lot of things that they might not have realized had they not come to the session. And then I also do a 30-minute debrief after the session. This is to engage them in a little mini synthesis without feeling scary, like those huge four, five, six-hour-long synthesis sessions. I do a little mini 30-minute debrief after each of the sessions to get them interested and engaged and starting to synthesize information together. I also make sure, based on the learning style, that I have asked about in terms of the team or that individual to then create things that make sense for them in terms of deliverables. So I ask them what their ideal deliverable is or how, how they would like to see this information. And that means I'm creating things like usability bingo, right? So looking at uh, how how many pain points you can see in, in over the course of seven sessions and putting them together and putting them on a bingo board. Or I will create a gallery night, for instance, of like big deliverables where people can go and peruse and ask questions and drink some wine and look at look at our personas. And then I will do things like just plain old reports. So people who just want to read reports, people who want to read more of the executive summaries, bullet points in, in Slack. There are a bunch of different ways that we can continue to engage people. 
as we are creating deliverables and sharing those deliverables. And then finally, the last way that I engage them is through activation, because we can't just throw that report over over the fence and hope for the best, especially if, if your stakeholders are a little bit less research mature. So the last part is that activation piece, and that usually comes in the form of workshops, so ideation workshops. So now that we understood these insights and we have this really cool information, how might we solve this? So we we finally, as researchers, go from sitting in the problem space for forever to moving that over to the creative solution space. And engaging stakeholders in that way helps them with, with taking those insights that might seem a little bit overwhelming for them, where they're sitting there saying, how am I supposed to put this into action? What does this actually mean? So it helps them turn that into solutions. So kind of throughout the entire process from planning all the way to that activation and everything in between, I have a few different steps and ways that I will engage the different stakeholders. Now, in terms of answering this particular question, I would pull, you can give a brief summary of your process and the different ways that you that you engage stakeholders, but I would pull just a few concrete examples, again, using that STAR method of how you have engaged people in your process. So for instance, maybe the intake document has been really impactful for you and you can demonstrate how much impact an intake document has, or maybe it's that those ideation workshops, so that activation piece, or maybe it's creating different report styles for different for different ways of learning and digesting information. So depending on which ones resonate more for you and which ones have been more impactful, you can choose two or three of them to give us an example. So I hope that that was helpful. The, the job interviews are really, really overwhelming and it can be hard. It's hard. It's even hard for me to answer these questions in a concise way, right? And so I would just say, think about the most impactful examples that you have and then use the STAR method to write out exactly that situation, the task, the action, the result, and then practice it to make it sound more conversational. And in that way, you will show impact in all different throughout all of the interview questions that you are asked. So I, yeah, again, I hope that that was really helpful and kind of gave you some ideas on how you could answer those questions and maybe even some ideas on how you can work with other departments as a user researcher. I highly recommend it. It's super, super cool. I will link to some of the resources that I talked about in the show notes, um, and I can't wait to see you next time. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe and submit your next question. And I look forward to talking to you all soon. Bye.